not so long ago in the mysterious land of St. Louis, Missouri, Bomb Squad was having a movie night. Hi, we're the Sex Bomb Squad, and this is our 100... Uh. <laughs> One, two, three, four! Episode of Bomb Squad Movie Night. I am your host and master of ceremony, Tanner Richard Kraft, and with me I have. I'm a copy of Funeral by Arcade Fire on vinyl. I am Tim M. Sullivan, now 30 years old and sporting ink. I'm Joseph Henry Vranick, and I, I'm rep- repping a previous episode. Go watch it. I'm Ethan Hawker, and I'm not dating a high schooler. But wait, Ethan, we're talking about Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Edgar Wright's magical realist masterpiece. It's not a cartoon. What the fuck are you doing here? Uh, it's pretty good. Good. Actually, before we get into uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World at all, actually, 100 episodes. What the fuck? <laughs> How do we feel about that? How is that? Austin, you're arguably the most important reason why we've done as well as we've had. How do, how do you feel? A hundred episodes is cool, but you know what's really cool? A billion episodes. <laughs> A billion episodes. And that shut them all up. As the person who had the pleasure to edit like 96 of these things, uh, it was fun working on the show for the last couple of years and just trying to figure out more ways to make it better for the viewers. Like we added music, we added backgrounds, more clips, and we're one of the few long form movie review shows that actually delivers in 4K. Uh, So I'm really proud of what we do. Like I get a cool rush every Friday when another episode premieres. You guys always give me really great stuff in the edit. And uh, it's really neat getting to learn so much about the movies we cover. Uh, And you guys bagged some really amazing guests. Uh, It's been a wonderful gift getting to do this show. I hope it makes people happy. And last thing, for anybody who wants to follow in our footsteps, the shittiest part of this job is easily YouTube's copyright system. If it weren't for dealing with that thing, this would basically be a total blast all the time. So, uh, yeah, thank you, everybody, for all your hard work that it took to get here today. Joe, as the man uh, famously known as man who took most breaks from the show, how do you feel about uh, hitting 100 episodes? Well, I mean, yeah, I took a lot of breaks, but that's because mental health reasons and also I have a life. What are you trying to say about me? Hey. <laughs> no, a uh, hundred episodes. Wow. Yeah, no, I never thought we'd get here either, but you know, I'm happy that we got this far because it's fun to talk about movies almost every week. It's fun to learn about the movies that we talk about every week and honestly, learn about my friends a little bit. I, I, I learn about their personalities. I learn about their tastes. I, I, I honestly could not be happier to be celebrating 100 episodes with these motherfuckers because you guys are fucking special. I love all of you. Tim, as the person who's hosted the third most episodes, I think, and has been on the third most episodes, how do you feel about episode number 100? We've come a long way since our disembodied voices talked about the first four episodes of WandaVision. Uh, and my <laughs> and you also awkwardly left halfway through the recording, and we yeah. had to hide that fact. I also was using a weird microphone that made me sound like butthead for some reason. But besides that, I've had a good time here. I think it's been a really nice way to 
sort of cathartically talk about movies and talk about life experiences. And I also have the distinct privilege of being the only other person to edit one of the mainline episodes. And so uh, that's been very helpful as far as editing goes. Like uh, last year, I made a featurette documentary and having the experience of working on these really helped me through that process. So it's helped me grow as an editor. And yeah, it's just a lot, lot of good has come from this. Again, we've talked with so many great guests and it's like sort of an in to be like, hey, we have this show you want to come on and then uh you you make connections it's it's been really cool yeah good stuff movies good plural i said it we did it 100 episodes back to you damn damn straight ethan as the person who regularly hosts some of our most successful episodes uh, you seem to have the highest hit rate of hitting a thousand views on these things how do you feel about hitting 100 episodes all right it's time to air all my grievances about all you losers <laughs> right now right this instant no, first of all not enough cartoons not nearly enough specifically not enough anime this is bullshit uh, no actually uh, movie night's good uh, no, uh, actually, I'm uh, very happy with how these have all turned out. Um, I, I do appreciate you guys inexplicably giving me a platform to uh, to talk about cartoons um, as often as you do, uh, despite my very laissez-faire attitude towards just about everything. I do appreciate, um, for, for me personally, just whenever I am host, it is sort of a kick in the pants to do a lot of research. I, I do kind of appreciate that crunch uh, sort of looming overhead in a way, and it's always such a joy more than anything using this as an opportunity to share a lot of things I love with a lot of of cool creatives that I like a lot and getting those thoughts sort of pruned and presented in such an incredible fashion by Austin is always such a tremendous joy. You, you make me look smart online, uh, which is such a difficult thing to do, <laughs> but really, no, you make, uh, you make everyone look smarter than they already are, uh, which is impressive because uh, we have some smart boys and you do it in such an entertaining fashion. <laughs> but no, we had some, some really, yeah, like as they've mentioned, some incredible guests and we hopefully going to get even better in the next hundred episodes, in the next thousand episodes, ten thousand million billion episodes, <laughs> infinity episodes, forever and always. Tanner, you've hosted the most of these, right? You're like the face of the show. Uh, remarkably, yes. Against my better wishes, as uh, these guys greatly remember in the early days of this channel, I was greatly, greatly resistant to being the face of the channel uh, due to a recent run-in with a niche internet fame uh, turning sour. Uh, but eventually I embraced it as something that was for the best of the, for the channel and this show in particular, which I never expected this show to be the thing it was. I, when we started this channel, I figured the movies we make and the videos would be our bread and butter, not this show. Uh, and then we made the Malcolm and Marie vidcast and everything changed two years ago when we started this channel, this show. I was not in a very good place. Obviously, we were just coming out of 2020, which means the world was shit. But I mean, I've had a pretty rough couple of stretch of years. I got out of a really bad relationship. I got into another really bad relationship, got out of that one. I had a, a previous failed YouTube channel venture uh, that Austin and I came from. It sucked. I had been graduated from college for almost a year, and I, I felt like I didn't have a creative outlet. But this show, this channel, you guys, has um, really means the world to me to have this outlet, to have this this show, and to be able to do it with the greatest friends in the world week after week, and to see it improve, and to, to see it grow like it has, means more to me than words could ever truly say. 
I, I don't know where I'd be without this show. My mental health two years ago was just in the tank, but lately I really feel like I, I'm, because of this channel, it's really given me more confidence. It's given me more self-love and validation in myself just to be able to come on week after week and just make stupid jokes and talk about movies, which in the grand scheme of things are a minor impact. But they mean the world to me. And 100 episodes, wow. I, I get to make my silly little award show. I got to make an episode with the person that inspired me to become a filmmaker. I got to make an episode that was watched by one of my favorite directors. I got to do a fucking episode of this thing with the director of the movie we're doing. Thanks to Joe for that one. It's been a hell of a ride, and I can't wait to see where the next 100 episodes brings us. We are the bob Omb Squad, and we are here to make you think about death and get sad and stuff. Uh, now that we've wasted a fourth of our recording time talking about something other than the movie, let's talk about the movie! Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Or specifically, let's talk about our history with Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, just sort of the cultural impact around it or whatever. Tim, let's start with you. So, this was a movie that uh, I slept on for a while. It kind of came out right in my junior year of high school, and like I was kind of a little shitty edgelord douchebag in high school. So this is just like, it's too bright and colorful. I need it to be dark. Arr. And so it just was not the kind of thing that I was jiving with at that time in my life. But I finally got around to watching it about five years ago and uh, I enjoyed it. I'll talk more about that later. The first Scott Pilgrim piece of media that I actually like experienced was this little animated short that Adult Swim made as a promotional material called Scott Pilgrim versus the Animation. Just like a little three and a half minute video. It's pretty fun. But yeah, that's that's about my history with it. So back to you, Turner. All right, Joe V, uh, as someone who was probably the correct age to watch this, like freshman in high school level, you were probably the exact correct age, right? I literally, when this movie came out, I had started my freshman year of high school. So I yeah. was the perfect age for this. It also came out at arguably the best fucking time for me. That beautiful little window that was like late 2009 to early 2011. I would argue that that was like the most important like span of time for me as far as like my taste and love of movies and my desire to want to make movies. And Scott Pilgrim is one of those movies. Man, 2010 was a fucking banger goddamn year for movies. And the Oscar goes to The King's Speech. Jeez, buddy, it's gonna be all right. But my history with Scott Pilgrim prior to that was jack fucking shit. I had zero uh, expectations on what it was. I just knew Michael Sarah's in this movie, and I really liked Superbad and Juno. So I was just gonna see it on the grounds that Michael Sarah was in it. And I did a little bit of research before watching the movie. That research being reading the what was it that you called it, Ethan? The it's not a comic, it's not an anime <laughs> manga. It's, it's not manhwa. Uh, I call it manhwa because the creator is, is half Korean, but it's it's a graphic novel. So yeah, I read all of the graphic novels because the Council Bluffs Library had it at the time. However, the the really special thing that I have about this movie is I got to see this maybe like two weeks before anybody else did. I'm, I caught a very early screening of this and it's probably one of the most magical movie experiences I ever had. Austin, uh, what say you? 
Okay, uh, Scott Pilgrim was admittedly a pretty big deal from in my childhood, personally. I will never forget it. The day that I saw Scott Pilgrim was the first day I ever tried sushi. My three best friends dragged me to Sushi AI and told me to order the Yellowtail. I was introduced to Scott Pilgrim and sushi in the same three-hour window. I was so confident going into the theater that we were about to see some Fight Club caliber shit happen on the screen. I'd seen Hot Buzz, I'd seen Shaun of the Dead, both at sleepovers, so I was convinced Edgar Wright had the formula to make masterpieces down to a fucking science. And I was one of those kids whose favorite TV channel was G4. I owned a bunch of consoles and I used to beg my parents to get me magazines like Game Informer at the grocery store. So Edgar Wright making a movie about video games was a fucking slam dunk to me. And of course it was all over the second I saw that techno crane slide back and the opening titles came up. That was the moment I knew this movie was going to be a part of me forever. One of the big impacts it had on me was that I've been making videos since I was 14 and I started using After Effects when I was 15. I always wanted to rip off Scott Pilgrim. Once you see a 2D P-bar come floating up next to a guy in a bathroom, it changes something in your DNA. Lastly, before moving on, it's worth mentioning that I may be a bigger fan of the movie, but my sister's been a bigger fan of the Scott Pilgrim IP in general. She's actually got all the graphic novels, reads them, and she has a super solid Ramona Flowers cosplay where she goes around with this big fucking hammer that our engineer dad helped to make. Loving Scott Pilgrim kind of runs in the family. So that's my history. And if you've got a problem with it, take it to the cleaners. Ethan, you're the one who really wanted uh, this question to be a topic of discussion. So what say you? Dude, what? She's totally real. <laughs> so Scott Pilgrim came out in August of 2010. Uh, the perfect time for me. I was, you know, a budding games enthusiast who really liked like early Nintendo games, that sort of thing. I just discovered emulation. I turned, you know, just turned 13. And as you know, someone who loved film and comics, perfect timing. I didn't see it until yesterday. Um, <laughs> I've, I've been completely, um, it always looked good. Like, I don't even think I, like I'd always looked interesting to me um, but I just never saw it my, my only exposure to Scott Pilgrim and Scott Pilgrim adjacent media is playing the game for maybe like five minutes and uh, trying and failing to play uh, Clash at Demon Head the NES game which is uh, a very good NES game that I was just very bad at at the time and was taken on the recommendation of a friend who was a big Scott Pilgrim fan but now I'm, I'm thoroughly Scott Pilgrim pilled uh, such as it were uh, in preparation for this podcast I read the entirety of the uh graphic novel series by Brian Lee O'Malley. Very good. I watched the movie. I listened to two and a half of the, the commentary tracks and I'm, I want to play the game quite badly now. And I'm, I'm really excited to dive into it, uh, not just as this incredible, like inc incredible film in its own right, uh, but as this really remarkable thing that was like a media mix from near inception and that is such a cultural time capsule of the late aughts, early 2010s, while also being so formative to the culture that it represents. Like, it's just really remarkable media that uh, encompasses so many areas. And this film is certainly the most approachable cornerstone of that, I think, despite being a flop. Like, I didn't know it was a flop until like literally a week ago when I looked it up just because it, it's so ubiquitous in mm -hmm. popular culture. And so it's, it was nice to finally dip my toes into uh, Homestuck for straight people. <laughs> 
so for me, um, I was a real gamer kid growing up. Um, I feel like I just like called myself an insult. I feel like it'd be less damning if I just called myself an incel for some reason. Gaming used to be cool. It's true. Used to be. So this movie came out when I was 12. I turned 12 in February of 2010. Uh, I'm the youngest person here. Hello. And this was around the time I was starting to get into uh, internet posting. And you may think, oh, Tanner was a Reddit kid. No. I used to post on the most glorious of forum sites, GameFacts.com. I used to post in those forums all the time. And given the nature of the website being more famously known as a gameplay walkthrough place owned by GameSpot, the forums were, of course, filled with the gamerist of gamers, the type of guys that will uh, make you eat dirt. Don't worry about it. And I think I first heard about this movie through posting on this forum, but I only watched it two years later in 2012, which was famously the year I watched The Avengers and started getting into a bunch of movie critics. I've most famously talked about pretty much it, but one of the other movie critic groups uh, on YouTube I I got into is one that does not exist in the form they were in back then at all anymore, uh, which was Schmoes No. Joe knows them. I know Uh, he knows them. Sadly, I do. (laughs) Unfortunately, I was really into them. And I remember they used to host this annual YouTube film award show that was just for YouTube critics, and the viewers could respond with like some award categories. And there was stuff like best film and most underrated film and uh, I thought Scott Pilgrim came out in 2012 so as a video reply to that Schmoes No video on my old YouTube channel I nominated Scott Pilgrim vs. the World as most underrated film and because it was a video reply a bunch of other people that watched the Schmoes No could find it and they did find it and they called me mean names and I deleted the video and later the channel but that was for other reasons so that's all I knew about Scott Pilgrim was that the gamers liked it and I myself was a gamer so that's really all I have for it uh, in terms of cultural impact for me other than it's yet again a glorious example of how the internet isn't real life. If you only judged it based off of the internet, you would think this movie was a global smash hit and not a massive flop that actually put Edgar Wright in director jail for a little bit. He deserved better. He always deserves better. But what did we actually think of the fucking movie you came here to see us talk about? Find out after a brief commercial break. We are the Bob Omb Squad, and we're here to make money and sell out and stuff. <laughs> It's Paku Paku means flap your mouth, so but they thought people would scratch out the P and just turn it into an F, you know, like fuck man. I'll leave you alone forever now. Welcome back to Bomb Squad Movie Night, episode number 100. 100. That's right, a hundred times that I've embarrassed myself. So, do you like colors? Do you like boards of wood? Do you like movies? then boy, do I have a deal for you. MoviePalette.com. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, you can finally find a piece of wood that has colors on it. You can go to MoviePalette.com and order yourself a movie palette. But wait, before you press buy, don't press buy because you have to enter this promo code, SQUAD15, to get 15% off your purchase. Trust me, do it. It'll be great. We're going to talk about Scott Pilgrim versus the world now. What are our overall thoughts on Scott Pilgrim versus the world, starting with Joe Renick? Oh, boy. All right. So, as mentioned before, I got to see this movie two weeks in advance, and man, oh, man, did it really fucking upset me when this movie flopped at the box office because I remember walking out of that theater thinking I saw, like, the second coming of Christ or some shit. Love this fucking movie. 
and I still fucking love this movie. I love Edgar Wright. I didn't get to talk about Last Night in Soho, uh, but Edgar Wright's like one of my fucking favorite directors. That man, I swear to God, it's like he is the king of making fast, frenetic, fun action comedy movies. Like, go all the way back to his like freshman in high school film, A Fistful of Fingers, and then work your way up to this movie. And then even the movies after this, this man is fucking incredible at what he does. The direction in this is beautiful. He throws in little jokes like in the background as like the actors are telling jokes that you're supposed to pay attention to. Like this movie like bears, like all of his movies, bears multiple viewings to just get like all of the little details. Like that. that's how immaculate like Edgar Wright is with his filmmaking. Bill Pope, legendary cinematographer. Man, oh fucking man, gets some of the most incredible shots ever. This movie specifically, something I talked about in the Batman podcast, just like briefly, and in the Suicide Squad cast, um, adapting a comic to movie. This movie does it in so many goddamn ways and does it so beautifully. It does panels. It like rips shots like directly from the comic. It is perfectly framed. It's beautiful. Acting wise, everyone is like at their peak, at their best. This is probably the best Michael Sarah's ever going to be. I kind of wish this moment would last forever. This moment with your hand on my boob? Yeah. I think it's more your moment than mine. Probably the best Brandon Routh's ever going to fucking be, too. Uh, all of oh. the evil exes have... I, I like Brandon Routh. I met the guy. Really nice guy. But um, all of the evil exes, really, like, they fucking steal the spotlight. Honestly, probably Brandon Routh really, really steals it as Todd Ingram, the douchebag vegan. Hmm. Smells like a face-off. Fetch me my instrument. Scott Pilgrim's about to go down. This time, it's on me. This movie is also endlessly quotable. I quote this movie in my everyday life, uh, which leads me to a little story because I don't know if we're going to have time for general discussion. So when I was in high school, around the same time that I like finally watched this movie, I went to my homecoming dance and I met this girl that I was friends with in one of my classes. And we kind of decided to start going out at the homecoming dance. And then I thought it would be funny to be like, so does that mean we're dating? And she goes, yeah, yeah, I guess so. And then I just kind of go because I thought it was funny. Does that mean we can make out? No. To which she then says, if you want to. And then I just go, cool. And then we go in for it. The one time in my life where quoting a movie got me to make out with a girl. And it was the most legendary fucking thing I ever did in high school. Can't believe Scott Pilgrim got you to first base. Quote Scott Pilgrim to a girl. It works. That's my ringing endorsement. I wish I could talk more about this movie, but I got to let you guys talk about it. So back to you, Tanner. Hmm. Interesting. Last time I quoted Scott Pilgrim to a girl, I spent a night in the drunk tank for some reason. (laughs) Tim, what are your overall thoughts on Scott Pilgrim versus the world? It's pretty good. <laughs> All right, moving on. Yeah. You can sleep on the floor until you find somewhere else to stay. I got you muffs and blinkers in case this might happen. This isn't my favorite Edgar Wright movie. That honor is held by Shaun of the Dead. But I do think this is like the movie he was born to direct. It's bleeding with his style, playing on like music and visuals in a very particular Edgar Wright way. And it's a lot of fun. 
if you have any familiarity with video games, like there's all these things you can pick up on, like Legend of Zelda and Mario music beats and just like all of the visuals. And like, again, like when I was in high school, that seemed a little off-putting to me because it's like they're trying too hard or whatever. But, uh, you know, watching it, I was like, fuck yeah, this is this is fun. This is good. I don't have too much deeper to say about it. It's just a real good time. Back to you, Tanner. Didn't want any hard feelings, so I figure why not be the bigger man and give you a call. Sorry, what I meant to say is I'm coming over there to kill you. Yeah! Go kick that guy's ass. All right, good, good, good work, Tim. Ethan, you're talking about a live-action movie for, like, the second time ever. Why? Uh, it's functionally a cartoon. Um, it, there's so much motion graphics and After Effects work packed into this baby. On top of it just being over-the-top fun, Wright makes it very clear on the commentary track that he's taking inspiration from not just the original source material, which he obviously loved um, because it was uh, optioned basically immediately uh, after that first graphic novel was published. Uh, Oni Press approached a film distributor, and then it ultimately ended up in the hands of Edgar Wright, and he was just sort of in the process of making this movie basically since the second volume came out. Uh, the second volume titled Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Hey, what do you know? And it's clearly a, just a tremendous labor of love that took five years basically to make from soup to nuts. The actual filming obviously was like a year, but but no, I think it's a really remarkable film in a lot of ways. Uh, as, a, as a companion piece to the comic, I think it is just laden with over-the-top action. Uh, the, the, the comic book is, is pretty decompressed, like slice of life, low-key. So it's weird seeing a live-action really exact the fight sequences. Usually it's sort of the other way around. And it's all done in a way that fits perfectly with the source material. Uh, it's sufficiently over the top, but uh, there's never any fear to be colorful uh, with it. Um, like this delightful contrast between, you know, Toronto in wintertime, which is very gray, versus when things really kick into high gear and it's just so incredibly vibrant and colorful. It's just a remarkable film, especially for 2010. Like in terms of stylistic content here, it's so ahead of the curve. Um, in terms of mainstream filmmaking. Bill Pope, the cinematographer who, you know, worked on The Matrix, which is fitting because The Matrix is another movie that kind of hits those buttons where it's such a love letter to a bunch of old things while also massively innovating among tactical spaces, uh, but also just being a really good movie. I, if I were to have one, not necessarily complaint, but I've, I'm not sure how to take Michael Sarah's performance because it is very good, but I feel like Michael Sarah's natural voice, um, which is, you know, sort of passively wienery, um, <laughs> like, uh, just generally a bit damp, um, kind of exaggerates Scott's less good qualities in a way that I, I frankly, based on everything I've, I've heard from Wright, wasn't intentional just a little bit. I think it's only something you'd notice if you read the comics, frankly. You getting a drink on? No, I don't drink. This is just some Coke Zero. But I still like Sarah's performance a lot. He brings a lot of physical energy to it, um, doing a lot of his own stunts, purportedly um, getting kicked very hard in a way that um, he thought would hurt very badly, but didn't. And he was very surprised by the fact that it didn't hurt. He's, he's delightful listening to one of the commentaries uh, in general. Just a kind of delightful weirdo. And I think like, yeah, like it's just it's replete with good performances, just good content in general. Ramona lived in New York. Oh, I was just there. 
played the Chaos Theater fucking blue hair. <laughs> um, and I'm going to stop talking about it uh, because I'm just going to keep gushing about all the good things because it's just so jam-packed with, with content. Uh, it, it really does feel like six volumes of a graphic novel saga compressed uh, so neatly into one film. Uh, and I just can't praise right enough for that. Ladies and gentlemen, Ethan likes a live-action movie a lot. We got him. I, we got I, I feel like, I, I feel like it would be better suited as, as an animated miniseries. Can't have shit in this town! Austin! Um, it's your turn, Walter White Austin. Go. So I initially saw this movie as a little baby film nerd who was worried about sleeping with girls in my high school and playing Halo 3 on Xbox Live. And uh, now I'm older. The life. Married to a guy and have an actual grasp on how films are made. So did this stand up? Or was it like the Boondock Saints where you've got to be a teenage boy to think it's really, really great? <laughs> and the answer is that this film is an infinitely expanding rabbit hole of pure fucking effort. When you know next to nothing about how films are practically made, it knocks you straight on your ass. It has stuff for the people in the bleachers. It's got a pixel sword and a complicated transition every five seconds and Brie Larson owning the shit out of Black Sheep by Metric. And when you get older oh, yeah. and you learn about digital doubles and Vista Vision and fucking techno cranes, the film still knocks you on your ass because it was a behemoth production with world-class crew people and technical genius hiding in plain sight pretending to be something simple. When people punch each other to death, they have little triggers that set off real-life light flashes like how people take damage in video games. For the scene where there's demon hipster chicks, they didn't just duplicate Christine Watson on the computer. They shot her with four different cameras so this perspective looked right. They would drag blue screens on locations for shots like when knives gets broken up with so the lighting on the actors wouldn't change. We said a little while ago that you can learn filmmaking from the Evil Dead and you can learn advanced filmmaking from Evil Dead 2. But if you want to learn next level fucking technical masterpiece filmmaking, study Scott Pilgrim. I had such an incredible time finally watching all the special features and the commentary tracks after all these years. Here's a curated list of things I learned. In classic hipster fashion, it involves Radiohead. The guy who did the score for this movie was Nigel Godrich, who produced two of my favorite albums of all time. Okay, computer, and then rainbows. The opening titles of this film with the crazy film scratches were done by an art collective called Shinola. Not only did they do the music video for Pyramid Song by Radiohead, but they also do a lot of work for Spectre Vision. Like, they did the Spectre Vision logo itself, they did the title sequence for Mandy and Color Out of Space. I mentioned VistaVision earlier and I wasn't fucking around. It's a higher resolution widescreen variant of 35 millimeter film and kind of like the prototype for IMAX and Omnimax film. They used it to get the really wide shot of Scott getting thrown in the alley by Todd. There's so many more of these and it's just a completely insane shoot where they both used every trick in the book and did some kind of revolutionary stuff inspired by video games and comics all wrapped in this tremendously charming comedy action musical screenplay that times everything out so precisely. I have not outgrown this film one fucking bit. If anything, I like it more now. I do not want to be here at all. And the school has boys too. Fuck you. 
All great stuff that I feel like I barely have anything left to say. That's a lie. I have plenty more to say. I got done watching this two and a half hours ago as of this recording. I watched it with my dad tonight, who, when I told him that's what we were watching tonight, uh, told me, ah, yeah, the movie about Mark Zuckerberg before Facebook, <laughs> which I still don't entirely know what that meant, but it was fucking funny. Yeah. What did um, the mean by this? He had never seen Scott Pilgrim before either, so that was fun. Like, I remember seeing him, like, crack a big smile when he heard the Zelda theme at the beginning, and I think he knew he was in for a good time. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Before Everything Everywhere All at Once came out, I would have said it was in my top five movies ever. Everything Everywhere kind of pushed it out, but I still love it so much. The technical mastery on display here, like Austin is saying, is off the charts. Every five seconds, there's something absolutely insane going on that, as a kid, I thought, whoa, cool. And as an adult, I'm watching it, and I'm like, how the fuck did they do that? How the fuck did you do this? Oh my god, you're telling me Michael Sarah threw the box in the trash can practically? Mm-hmm. 33 takes. Yeah, 33 takes. The signature was fake, though. That's what's funny. <laughs> Gotta keep the guys at double negative employed. It's kind of like how the, briefly sidetrack here, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, how Toby actually caught all those fruits, and it apparently took him over 100 takes. And I like to pretend is that because every time he actually successfully caught them, Kirsten Dunst was too stunned and forgot her line. Um, <laughs> I also want to specifically shout out Jason Schwartzman. For the most, I want to punch that guy in the dick performance of 2010. Gideon Graves. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is so pitch perfect in this movie. Uh, a bunch of people uh, will say, uh, ruined generation of women, blah, 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 blah. This type of woman already existed. Watch Internal Sunshine, you freaks. They existed um, long before this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, I promise you, women have been dyeing their hair for a long time. God bless. She kind of nails the fact that Ramona's a damaged person with some pain in her past, but also not a perfect person, used to not be a great person. Michael Sarah, though, is, uh, in my opinion, the under disputed MVP of the movie. His performance is so pitch perfect, and it has everything to do with who Michael Sarah is, because my take on this movie has always been, listen, I understand this may not have been Edgar Wright's intention, but when the opening lines of the movie are, the main character is dating a high schooler, I'm going to interpret that as you telling me the main character is a kind of a douchebag. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Hot take. Dating a high school as a 22-year-old? Bad. Not great. Not your greatest Many people are saying this. He seems to nail that scumbaggery that's, like, so subtle that, like, it's almost impossible to call out for because it's like, um, baby, you can't call me out. I'm just, I'm just a little guy. It mostly just stems from him being 22 and stupid. Uh-huh. And I get it. I was once 22 and stupid. I was 22 and stupid when we started this show. And it mostly, you can tell that he has a good heart. And it's kind of fascinating how instantly more likable I feel like Scott becomes in the end when he achieves self-respect. I absolutely love how the power of love wasn't enough, but the power of self-respect was. It's so funny because of all the weird gamer boys that love this movie, you think they would listen to the message? Right. <laughs> yeah, but gamers still haven't learned self-respect. You think gamers are able to intuit things like messages and themes? It's not even subtext. It's literal text. On the screen, Michael Sarah is so, so, so good. And even if it's maybe a little incidental, I think what Ethan was talking about as a bit of a critique for me actually makes this performance even stronger because Michael Sarah somehow strikes the balance between kind of a jerk, but also kind of a lovable guy. He brings his warmth to the performance that makes you feel bad for him when shitty things happen to him, even if he maybe kind of deserves to have shitty things happen to him. Uh, I also want to shout out Knives as uh, the moment when... Uh, 
Scott breaks up with her and the way she reacts is like it's not the most realistic heartbreak I've seen in a movie but it is by far maybe the most heartbreaking one I've seen in the movie it's sad just it is how defeated how defeated she looks it breaks me Ellen Wong's performance is, is really exceptional Grace King see your show I'm not even stalking you I just feel like I know stuff now why isn't she a star? She's barely in anything. This is her debut pr- performance, too. Like, like, and she just kills it. She knocks it out of the park immediately. Favorite quote. I don't know what my favorite quote would be, but sure. Favorite quote. And Joe, you brought it up, so go. All right. My favorite quote. Uh, there's a ton to pick from, but, you know, I'm going to go with one that Brie Larson delivers absolutely perfectly and I think is one of the most underrated comedy lines. Ramona, I like your outfit affordable Austin go Scott if your life had a face I would punch it yeah or I wasn't vegan it's milk and eggs bitch Tim I like the bit uh, in the coffee house where the mouth was getting bleeped and he's like how are you doing that with your mouth never mind how I'm doing it whatever it was that she said I <laughs> don't know I'm not, I'm not taking any questions all right Ethan go um, it's absolutely um, the line where uh, Scott is talking with Stacy after breaking up with Ramona and Stacy says I mean did you really see a future with this girl like those jetpacks. Um, I don't love that. <laughs> For me, uh, the funniest line in this movie, and maybe my favorite line overall, is delivered to perfection by Superman himself, Brandon Ralph. On April fourth, seven thirty p.m., you partook a plate of chicken parmesan. Chicken isn't vegan. <laughs> <laughs> I think about that every goddamn day. So. Let us move on to our final thoughts. Austin, go. A hundred episodes is a small price to pay if I get to talk about how much I fucking love Scott Pilgrim. Joe, go. Like I said earlier, uh, if you're a high school student and you ask a girl out and she says yes, quote this movie. You will get kisses. Your results may vary. Tim, go. (laughs) This movie pucks. God damn it. Ethan, go. I'm really glad I had the opportunity to both see this film and experience uh, the graphic novels. Um, I I love both of them. I'm going to be probably reading O'Malley's follow-up seconds within the week. um, And I'm just really glad I was able to uh, join you guys for the 100th episode uh, in discussing such a really exceptional, cool film. What is there to say, really, um, that I haven't already said? It's a tech Marvel. The acting is incredible. It's one of my favorite movies ever. It, it's so insane. Um, a lot of people misunderstand this, and this movie did not ruin an entire generation of women, you fucking freaks. But you want to know who did ruin an entire generation worth of women? <laughs> who? <laughs> <laughs> the person watching slash listening to the 100th episode of Bomb Squad Movie Night. I think I just broke my desk. You need a new desk. If you are listening to this episode on any of the audio platforms are on, thank you. Oh, so very much for listening. If the platform you're on supports reviews, go ahead and leave us a good one. It boosts us in the algorithm, maybe. They like engagement. If you are watching this on Spotify video, we, we, we say fuck a lot. So what's up? How about you mosey on down over to our Patreon? We actually have some exciting ideas for things we may launch for the Patreon this year. So it may one day become more than my mother. 
paying us beans per month. And uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you oh so very much once again for watching the 100th episode. Go ahead and go down to the comment section below and let us know what do you think of Scott Pilgrim versus the world? Uh, what do you think of the fact that uh, if you look at the internet, Scott Pilgrim versus the world is like the Titanic of movies. But if you look at the box office, it didn't do shit. Just what do you think of that sort of dichotomy? And uh, finally, uh, what do you think of a hundred episodes of Bomb Squad Movie Night? If you have a favorite memory, a favorite something of the show, please comment below and let us know. Hit the like button so we know how much you like us. Hit the subscribe button so we know how much you love us. And hit the bell icon so you can know exactly when we upload new videos. Make sure you tune in next week for a special Tim-hosted episode of the Bomb Squad uh, Movie Night, which will be on what movie, Tim? Next week, we are talking about the hit film Bullet Train with a very, very special guest. Yeah, that's right. We got Brad Pitt. So uh, make sure you tune in for that. Holy shit, I can ask him about Cool World. <laughs> what was it like being Papa Ralph? <laughs> but yeah, thank you oh, oh, so very much for the 1,000th time for watching. It means the world to us. We literally could not be here without all of you guys genuinely coming in and supporting us week after week. Uh, it started with one big fan, Death Machine Star, if you're watching this, and it's grown to many more people. We um, couldn't do this if it wasn't for the fact that you guys seem to genuinely love this. So thank you for tuning in for the 100th time. And like I said before, here's to 100 more. <laughs> See you next time. Six seasons in a movie! 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 It's got six seasons. And a movie? <laughs> they got movie now?